We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indiana, home of Pacers basketball. Miller for three, and he got it. Legends have been born. Miller retreats to the three-point line and hits again. Memories have been made. Caliburn, a deep three for the lead. Great basketball has been played. Nembhard away. Hits the three and the buzzer. In 49 states. It's just basketball. Flips it to the big fella, fake, shoots, and But this, this is Indiana. And you're listening to Setting the Pace. Let's go! Your go-to Pacers podcast. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. We got paces hooping. Let's talk stats. Hot takes. All fast. New topics. Updates. Three pointers. Fast breaks. We keep scoring. We don't need to stop. New episodes. Weekly drops. This your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gon' need a mop. Setting like the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Setting the pace with Alex and Fachi. Alex and Fachi. Alex and Allison. Happy Wednesday, Pacer Nation. Hope you guys had a nice good night's sleep. Forgot about that Pacers loss to the Hornets, and we're moving on to the Toronto Raptors tonight. We'll have a nice little preview for you at the end of the show. But before we get into that, Fachi is here to talk with me about potential free agents slash buyout candidates. Fachi, how are we doing today? Doing a little bit better than I was. Still still licking my wounds, uh, you know, after uh, that, that, that Charlotte loss. I mean, obviously, you know, this... Hopping back on the pod as a reminder of that, but there are better days ahead. And <laughs> I think when we look for those better days, we kind of look to see could help be on the way for this Pacers team, or is that just a dream? I don't really know. Okay, so we're going to just lay the line out here for you. Uh, Fachi and I have come up, I think, with three names each. We're going to do top five, but I will just give you guys a heads up that this list of buyout candidates slash free agents is a big woof. So it's like we could give you five names each if you really want. But to be fair, there could be more players bought out within the next couple of weeks. And so we'll have a better idea of who could be available because you got to remember, like, 
Tristan Thompson was traded to the Pacers. He played like a week plus form and then he was eventually let go. So, you know, there could be other guys that are playing for teams right now that might eventually ask for a buyout so they can have a chance to join a playoff team. So we'll see what happens there. But right now we're just going off of who is available for the most part. And I think if we do want to project, we could maybe say like, yeah, this player could become available, but I don't really have anybody like that. And honestly, the buyout market, it just feels very, very, very slim right now, Fotch. It's it's very slim. It's very dry. And I didn't want to name a player that could be bought out that won't be bought out. Like, for instance, when I was doing my research, you know, there was a couple rumors that was like, Seth Curry could be bought out. And then Seth Curry torches the Pacers. And it's like, why is a lowly Charlotte Hornets team going to want to buy him out? Like, they, they might just let it rock. So uh, I just wanted to go off of players that are indeed available right now for Indiana to sign. So before we get into this, not to spoil your list, but do you have any former Pacers on your list? I have one former Pacer in an honorable, two former Pacers in an honorable mention section. Would you like me to share them now? I, I figured we could kind of just lay it out there who the Pacer or the former Pacers are that could be on this list. So we don't have to see it here and like make people wonder, oh, are they going to bring up a Pacer as number one? So uh, go ahead and just tell me who you got for your honorable mentions and other whatever. I'm going to rip off the Band-Aid, and, and one of them is George Hill. Now, here's where we got. Look, a veteran guard, you know, if called upon, he can, he can be ready. He has not played an NBA this year. You know, obviously used to be a very, very capable defender. Obviously not as, as good as he once was, but George Hill is someone that you don't need to have minutes for, but I think that he could just be a, a guy who's been in – just about every scenario for this Pacers team. And if something happens at one of the guard spots, you know, to, you know, perhaps a, a you know, a TJ McConnell or, or, or an Andrew Nemhart or anything of the sort, you could at least just have an emergency point guard or, you know, combo guard available. Um, I do have one other Pacer. Do you want me okay. to share him as well? Go ahead. I couldn't put him in my top three, but at the same point, you know, every Pacer fan has love for him. And that is Thad Young. Okay. Thad Young. Your emergency situation, I would trust Thad on the court before I would trust a James Johnson. I just feel that Thad is a little bit more fresh. Uh, there's plenty of games this year where he still, you know, contributed upwards of five rebounds. The three-point shot is indeed gone, um, but he was happy here once before. I, I do think that Thad is something that you, you can't really find someone to say a bad thing about Thad Young, but I also feel that... Um, you know, his days may be contributing very meaningful minutes in the NBA. They could be towards the end. This is a guy that was drafted in 2007. This could very well be his final year in the NBA. Um, that's why he's on my honorable mention list. Yeah, I mean, Thad Young, I think a lot of people would be excited to see him back. But what is he really bringing to this team? How does he fit into what they're trying to do? Very tough to really see that. So, yeah, I uh, I agree. I did not have Thad Young on my list, but I did want to bring him up. So, just a couple other paces out there. I'm assuming I know the one that you have on your actual list, so I'm not going to say that one, but uh, you said you had one on your actual list, right? No, no, no? I did not. So okay. I had I'm two sorry, of I must... my honorable mentions. Just your honorable mention. Okay. So some other former Pacers that could be out there right now. You got TJ Warren. I think that's a big one. Uh, Jeremy Lamb. He's also out there. I think he's had some, you know, couple different stints back with the Kings where he's kind of came in for like a, a tryout or something like that. So, that's one, obviously, Lance Stevenson's back in the G League. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you got to bring Lance back. Lance would help this team. 
hey, you know what? We might need some Lance magic based on how that bench played against Charlotte, but don't want to get too excited about Lance. Edmund Sumner is another pacer name that could be out there for a potential player. So other than that, Bocci, am I missing anybody? Obviously, Corey Joseph, they already cut him, so I don't think that matters. You mentioned George Hill. You brought up Thad Young. Victor Oladipo. He's I out was there. gonna say I didn't know I didn't know if the name was gonna come across your head. Now he's still recovering from injury, but he's not gonna play just, this year. So exactly, exactly. It, there was no scenario that made sense to put Victor Oladipo on anyone's list. But uh, going through this list, it, it really was like kind of a blast from the past or a, a Pacers graveyard because you think about how Ed Edmund Sumner, you know, and and how promising he was before that Achilles injury, and then. TJ Warren being our leading scorer, how he's out of the league right now. It was tough, yeah. but I didn't want to just, I didn't think that if you brought TJ Warren on this team, this Pacers team is uh, you know going to be better because I didn't think there would be the role for him. I felt like if you were to bring on a Thad Young or a George Hill, they, they didn't need to play. They could just be good, trusty, absolute emergency veterans, but I didn't think that they were really going to be contributing much to winning basketball yeah and i feel like to me like if you're going to bring somebody in you want them to play so yeah you know that's why like if they did bring in tj warren like i could kind of understand it because he can get you a bucket he can create an isolation he can still shoot the three okay like obviously sign with the nets after the injury got traded to the suns when kevin durant got traded to phoenix i think he played some but ended, ended up getting out of, out of the rotation for monty williams so didn't get brought back clearly hasn't signed anywhere there's been multiple like Reports, I think, that he would like to come back for any team. So oh, yeah. I'm sure he would be excited for a call from the Pacers if they were to at least give him a chance. But that that's where it gets tough. So we're going to go down our top three now, Fachi, and list some guys that could make some sense and kind of explain that. Now, I will say you're going to be disappointed, Pacer fans, when you hear this list. So just <laughs> giving you a, pre, a pre-warning pre here, don't don't freak out when you hear these names. I'm just trying my best to, to grasp at all the straws that are out there. So, Fachi, you want to get us kick it off? Yeah, I'll, I'll kick it off. I mean, and like I said, you know, when you think of the buyout market, you know, years ago I, I felt that when the Pacers added Wesley Matthews, that was a good addition. I remember the Pacers were able to outbid a few teams, good 3 and D player. There's really not many of a, a, a Wesley Matthews caliber player out there right now. And it started with number three on my list. It's actually a guy who hasn't pl- played this year, and that's Danny Green. Danny Green, three-time NBA champion, a sharp shooter, always been a capable defender. Towards ACL, uh, towards the end of that 2022-2023 season, never got to return to the court. He had signed with the 76ers earlier this year, but he was waived six foot six. He's always had good size, and if things continue to go south with Doug McDermott, you can make an argument to say, well, you know what? If McDermott wasn't contributing that much. Danny Green can't be that much worse, although you wonder how fresh he would be in terms of his, uh, you know, in-game, you know, um, cardio, because obviously he has not played this year. But nonetheless, Danny Green, an NBA champion, that uh, if he's the last guy on your bench, you know, you could always do a lot worse than Danny Green. 36 years old, a little bit older. Yes, yes he is. Has some really bad injuries. I don't know if he'd be much of an upgrade over Doug McDermott defensively, Fachi. That's my only concern. And and look, I'm not going to go to war for Danny Green being last on my list over here. Uh, you know, it's it's slim pickings out there, <laughs> but I just felt that right now, if McDermott cannot step up and be the three point shooter that you need, there is not many three point shooters on this market right now. 
No, there is not. So I'm going to go to my first guy here at number three, and this is someone I actually brought up to Fachi on Sunday after we recorded our, our next recap, and that's Javante Green. You guys probably remember Javante Green playing for the Chicago Bulls, and I will just say this. He is not more than a role player. He is probably like the 10th man last year or two years ago on the Bulls team. So 30 years old, six foot four, 205 pounds for his, uh, for, I think for his career, 5.1 points per game, 2.8 rebounds, 0.8 steals, but shot 34% from three. So like around average, not great. Had had some better moments. I think he shot 37% uh, the last time he played for the Bulls. So I just feel like, you know, he started 45 games in Chicago in 21, 22, um, average of career high in points, rebounds, assists, and steals, logged 23.4 minutes per game. So he's able to to at least contribute to a certain degree. I, I kind of like him just because he, he is quick. I think he can play in transition with this team. He is kind of feisty, so I like that about him. I think currently right now he's on the Santa Cruz Warriors, and me and Fachi were talking about this before we started. We're like, not really sure how the G League contracts work if a team is – Got a G League player. Can you bring him over? But I think you can because if I recall right, Gabe York was on the Mad Ants and the Orlando Magic offered him a 10-day contract, and so he was able to go there. So there is a possibility they could pluck him from that team if they feel like that. I have no idea what he's doing with Santa Cruz right now, so apologize for that. But I just remember like watching Javante Green at times just kill the Pacers. He had a, I think he had a big game against him, so maybe that's why he's fresh in my head. But can shoot the three, can get out transition, plays a little defense, a little undersized, but you know they're missing that Buddy Hill type guy at six foot four that played. You can move Mathern to the three, so that's kind of why I like Javante Green. Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I understand for a couple of reasons. You know, Javante Green, another one of those guys that you know did not play in the NBA this season. Uh, about thirty years old, obviously solidly younger than Danny Green. So you know, who am I to complain at that point? Um, I, I think that hey, will, will he be back in the NBA? I don't know. You know, I don't know if anyone can answer that question, but I think that he's at least, you know, at times been, been solid average to steal per game, you know, a couple of year, uh, years ago. So I think that, you know, a very capable defender, capable three-point shooter. So I, I don't know if we see him back in the NBA. We'll, we'll see. I did have one G League guy that I really debated putting, you know, on my list, but just like we mentioned before, we're not was not 100% sure that, of A, you know, would the Pacers pluck someone from the G League, or B, would they pluck someone from the G League that's not on their team? Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, it's even worth throwing out that name right now because I don't want to go too over, but I, I did lean that G League route at one point before going against it. Um, yeah, I will say this. I'm looking at his G League stats right now on uh, the GLeague.com. I think he's only played in two games this year. 17.6 minutes, 14 points a game, 52.6% from the field. Uh, a really bad three-point percentage, 28.6, but once again, only two games. So it's kind of hard to get a real sample. Really I don't is. know if he's hurt or not. So this could be a total whiff, and I apologize. I just haven't really seen much about him and thought I'd throw it out there. So we can move on past this one. <laughs> it's all right. Well, number two on my list, I'm going the exact opposite route from old man Danny Green to young man Killian Hayes. I like right? it. Talk and, to me. And, Here's what we got. This is purely an upside pick. It's almost like a red shirt pick. Will Killian Hayes help the Pacers this year? The answer is no. But the former seventh overall pick is just 22 years old. The best basketball could very well be ahead of him. And who's developed players that have not worked out elsewhere better than the Indiana Pacers? I really don't know if there's anyone. He's always been a poor shooter, but always a very gifted passer. 
Killian Hayes is someone that that can rack up assists, you know, very quickly. And I don't think going to Detroit did him any favors. I don't think the talent was there. I don't think the coaches were there. I, I, they had good coaches, but I just don't think that that's the type of environment for player development. It was averaging mm-hmm. over four to, to one uh, assist to turnover ratio this year. So there are some things to like. While the shooting percentages are career high, there's still nothing to actually say out loud. But, you know, since we're on a podcast, I'm just going to do it. You know, this is the first time shooting above 40% from the field. He shot 41%. Um, obviously, three-point numbers, it's it's atrocious, but still career high, near 30%. So it felt that he was taking some strides of improvement. But with the amount of point guards they had there between Cade Cunningham and Jaden Ivey and Killian Hayes, it felt like a sink or swim type of situation. And I just felt that uh, right, almost like, not to say riding the bench, but being on the bench learning from a, a TJ McConnell and, you know, a Tyrese Halliburton and having other veterans around you could probably be the best thing that could happen to Killian Hayes at this point in his career. So this is a situation that if the Pacers liked him, they saw anything in him, you know what, maybe maybe you have an opportunity to bring him back if you choose to move on from TJ McConnell. But short term this year, make no doubt about it, this move does not help the Indiana Pacers. Yeah, I mean, Killian Hayes is interesting because he is so young, right? And, you know, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer has been a huge Killian Hayes fan. I think he even called him like the French James Harden at one point during the draft process. But he really liked him. I think he thought he could have went number one. or Yeah, he did. He had number one on his big board. And so what's funny is I was actually messaging KOC today about Killian Hayes. And I was like, what do you think about his fit with the Pacers? And he was like, well, he's like, do they got a shooting coach? It's like, well, yeah. you know, Jenny Boost really helped TJ McConnell become a three-point shooter the previous year. Uh, I, I don't really know. I said maybe Tyrese can work with them, maybe get uh, Tyrese's trainer, Drew uh, Drew Hamlin, in, involved and maybe try to get him some reps, you know, because I think Drew Hamlin also worked with Markel Fultz at one point. So, you know, yeah, 22 years old, it's interesting. He's six foot seven. I, I'm intrigued a little bit just because he's a really solid defender and passer, but I just think, do the Pacers need another non-shooter in that second unit? Probably not. So it's like, and then if you bring him in, what are you saying to Ben Shepard? Are you saying that you're not ready for him at all? And you, like, you're like you going to give his developmental minutes to, to Killian Hayes? That's why I didn't put him on here. But I, I don't hate the pick at all. I mean, especially when you look at who's out there. Like, that's what makes him a little bit of a sexy pick just because it's a lottery pick from that 2020 draft, right? So seventh overall. Yeah, so why not? We, we have the eighth guy. We got the tenth guy. We got the twelfth guy. Got the fourteenth. Fourteenth guy, Aaron e. Smith. Yeah. Um. So yeah, no, it's, it's true. I mean, it's just we're we are in a we are on a mission to collect them all. We we truly Pokemon, are, baby. And I just feel that Killian Hayes is one of the ones that we need in order to collect them all. But no, I mean, I I just think that. He's so young. And in the NBA right now, I felt like he didn't go to the right destination. He really didn't. And you talk about a defender. I mean, this is someone who always averaged over a steal per game, about a a half a block per game. He's very capable. I I think that, uh, you know, he he has a lot of potential. But for now, when you talk about the buyout market, what's crazy and what I want to put in perspective right now, if you go into Google and you type in anything around top buyout candidates, to be signed. Some of the top names on there are Cork Moss and Marcus Morris. <laughs> no joke about it. Those two players and Corey Joseph, those three yes. are in the top 10 
So Man. it's like the Pacers already took a look at those players and said no. So then you got to really be thinking, you know, outside the box for some of these. And Killian Hayes is most definitely one of the biggest names available. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that, Fox. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm going to move over to my number two here, and this one is going to be another surprise for you because I was like, we need someone that has experience that can come in and help us win right now, similar to Wesley Matthews when he was brought in. And it's kind of weird because this guy hasn't played all year. And I'm a little bit surprised because I thought he had a pretty good season last year. But for his career, average 8.5 points per game, 2.1 assists per game, 2.0 rebounds per game on 41% field goal shooting, 34.9% three-point shooting, and 65% free throw shooting for his career. Now, he's played in 64 playoff games, Fachi. 21 and a half minutes in the playoffs, seven points per game in the playoffs on 41, 35, 72 splits. I think that's pretty good, okay? He's played for the Clippers, Rockets, Nuggets, Nuggets, and most recently the Timberwolves. And in three of those different playoff series, he averaged over 10 points per game. I'm talking about Doc Rivers' son, Austin Rivers. Okay, hear me out. 31 years old, six foot four, 200 pounds. He's currently an unrestricted free agent. Hasn't played all season, but he's been very active in the media as he's on ESPN's uh, NBA Today show quite a bit. He also has his own podcast with The Ringer. But you know, if you if you go back to 17, 18, which has been about oh six, seven years ago with the Clippers, <laughs> you know, he put up 15.1 points per game on a career high, 37.8 percent from deep. Started in 59 of those games for the Clippers uh, and stepped into a big role when Chris Paul left. So definitely some things there. Now, to be more relevant, he played for the Timberwolves last year, and I actually thought he was pretty good for the Timberwolves when he played. There were some some moments where I'm like, man, he's he's been a really good leader for them. I asked a Timberwolves fan who actually covers the NBA what they thought about uh, Austin Rivers, and he said he's a fine role player. He's solid. Eighth guy. He's improved so much as a defender over the years. I would probably rather have him than Monty Morris, the player they just traded for on the Pistons. So, not saying I love it, Fachi, but at this point, 
from what I've seen from McDermott at 32 years old, I would rather give Austin Rivers those minutes because at least he can defend. Decent three-point shooter, not great, but decent. And I feel like it would give you a little bit more hope than what you're getting so far from Dougie McBuckets. I mean, look, you and I are averaging the same amount of points as McBuckets in his second go-around with the Pacers. So it's safe to say right now you could say I'd rather give those minutes to anybody. But for Austin Rivers, look, I think he was someone that there was a lot of hype around coming into the league. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, goes over to Duke. And I think, you know, has a, has a guy, I remember he hit a huge shot against North Carolina, obviously coach's son and, and all this buzz. And I, I think that he did carve out a solid role in the NBA for a while. It is kind of surprising that he's out of the league because he is just about, you know, 31 years old. So I do feel that he he could still be in the league. As as a, like a, a late, you know, end of the, the rotation, end of the bench type of pickup, I don't hate it. Um, you know, to be honest, I think he's accomplished far more in his career than, than Javante Green. So I think you could get more excited about an Austin Rivers type of uh type of player. Obviously, right now the Patriots could use some help at the guard spot, at shooting guard specifically, which Austin Rivers can play. So I, I definitely don't hate it by any means. Do you think we see him back in the league at any point? Yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like he even talked about it on his podcast at one point, like it has to be the right situation. So kind of like Wesley Matthews when he came to the Pacers, it was all about, okay, not who has the best chance to to win, but who has the best chance to get me an opportunity. So if he feels like he has an opportunity here, maybe he can make some sense. I'm not saying he's going to change the no. trajectory of this team by any stretch of the mean. I just feel like he's another body out there that can play some back and point guard, like emergency point guard that can also play the two that can defend a little bit bigger at his. I, I just like the way that he plays. I feel like he's, a little bit underrated and underappreciated by a lot. And I know he got a lot of criticism by playing for his dad. People were like, he's only in the league because his dad was his coach. And I hate that crap. I feel like he kind of carved out a role for himself in the league, especially if, like you mentioned earlier, like all the pressure he had coming into the league. So it's like, he's just a good vet. And I feel like he just wants to win, wants to work hard. I like his basketball smarts when he talks about stuff on, on his podcast and on TV, just really seems to know the game. So I don't know. I, he's not one of these guys that just living in the glory days and always talking about the good old days. Like he is just has a pretty high basketball IQ. And I think he that, does. you know, Hey, having Doc's son would be fun to see if the Pacers were to play the bucks in the playoffs. Oh, right, no, no, he definitely has a great basketball mind. I, I think that he's, it's like in his DNA, you know, the definition of a coach's son and obviously a point guard, all, all of that combination, you, you're going to get a high basketball IQ player. If you ever want to have a, a trip down memory lane, I highly uh, recommend his high school mixtape. It's one of the best ones out there. You will not be getting that player on the Indiana Pacers, mm-hmm. but you'll see uh, that, uh, you know, he, he was a very, very athletic player that that had a lot of promise in this league. And you know, I, I do hope to see him back. But next and last on my list is a guy that actually could contribute to a team right now. He is probably the number one name on the buyout market, I would say. That is Danilo Gallinari. Now, Gallinari has not quite been the same player since tearing his ACL. You think of him more as a power forward, but he can very much play the three as well. Always been a good three-point shooter in this league. For his career, he's a 38% three-point shooter. He's had plenty seasons above 40%. Uh, This is a guy that, uh, you know, on the season out of his... 
about 32 appearances, has about seven games where he's had six or more rebounds on the season. So he could still at least rebound the ball if needed. Um, but I think that Gallo is one of the few names out there that even in a short stint with the Pistons, just about six games, averaged 8.7 points per game on 58% shooting from three. That's very recently. He, he scored 20 points on six of eight shooting less than two weeks ago. So this guy is not, you know, when you say like a Thad Young, okay, what's he going to bring to the table? Or a Danny Green that this guy hasn't played in the NBA this year. At least Gallinari has stayed fresh and could contribute to a team, but you also don't want him playing 20 minutes or anything like that, of that sort. Yeah, I looked at Gallinari myself, and what kind of scared me off was the age. Yeah. I mean, 35, 36, it, something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's part of the reason why I didn't like Danny Green either, even though I was like the idea of Danny Green versus how old he is and what he's actually done the last year. So it's not great. But uh, I thought about it. I'm like, okay, they've already brought in McDermott. Obviously, it's kind of a similar player, right? In terms of like shooting white guys spread the floor. <laughs> like, you know, like he played small ball five for the Wizards against the Pacers and torched us. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. he does bring some stuff, but like, what is he bringing defensively? I don't think he's bringing much. No. And does that really help? I mean, yeah, you could use a little more, more scoring off the bench. Is that the right guy? I don't know. I, I wasn't that intrigued by Gallo. I think that, I don't know. He's just a weird player to me. Like, it's just weird to me that Gallo's still in the league. Uh, I remember when he was like the big trade ship for the Knicks. Yeah. And they got Carmelo. He was a big so. deal at one point, you know? Yeah. He, he, and, he, and, and for what it's worth, Gallinari did have some really good seasons out of, out of all the players that we mentioned, he had, I would say, you know, the, some of the best seasons, like I'm looking at it right now. Uh, there was a stretch where he averaged 19 and a half points then 18.2 the next year, 15.3, 19.8, 18.7. So, I mean, he had a stretch in the NBA of averaging 18 or more for almost about five years. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's had a good, good career, you know, and I, I don't at all, disrespect Gallo. I just don't know how much he's helping this Pacers team. And like I said earlier, none of these guys are. That's none the problem. So it's it's tough, and it's really slim picking. So I, I will just – I'll echo what you said. Like, yeah, Gallo might be one of the hottest names on this list, and that kind of tells you where this list is at right now. That's a great point. It's a great I, point because the team that might grab Danilo Garanari might be a true championship contender that could say, hey, you know what, whatever, we'll just plug him in there if we need him, whatever. But it's just, you know, you I, I heard that the Timberwolves are going to sign Marcus Morris. I think it's a good signing. I think the Pacers, for whatever reason, they didn't have interest, and they obviously traded Morris, you know, for Doug McDermott. I think that right now when you look at this list, it's hard to find anyone that could truly step into a role on this team and help the Pacers. And if they can, then you start to run – really wonders yourself, well, what's wrong with Jairus Walker, who's not playing for the Pacers, mm-hmm. but has a lot that he could contribute. So maybe this has to just come from within, and that extra roster spot is a to-be-determined. Like we also talked about, there could be some other names that become available later on, but that's just potential. That's coulda, woulda, shoulda, you know, maybe. It's not real. And right now, this is the real names that are available out there, and it ain't pretty. Yeah, well, I'll close things out here with my number one, Fachi. This is another 30-year-old, six foot six, 220 pounds, 7.3 points per game for his career, 3.0 rebounds, 1.1 assists per game on 43.4, 35.9, and 76.1 shooting splits. So not bad, 35.9% from three and 76 from the free throw line. I like it. 
29 playoff games, Fachi, 19.8 minutes per game in those playoff moments, 6.3 points per game, and 3.6 rebounds. Now, the shooting splits in the playoffs have not been good. 40% from the field, 28.8% from three, and 70% from the free throw line. So that's not great. But I'm talking about a guy that was recently traded to the Detroit Pistons. He was cut. His name is Daniel House. Now, let me talk to you about Daniel House. Uh, talk to me. He is an interesting guy. I think that he does make sense because he does kind of have more of that wing type of feel. 30 years old, spent a lot of time having some of his best basketball playing with the James Harden mm-hmm. Houston Rockets team. And obviously, Daryl Morey really liked him. So when Morey brought him in in Philadelphia last year, this is what he had to say. Daniel is a willing shooter from outside who can space the floor and punish the uh, opposition. On defense, his size, athleticism, and ability to guard multiple positions makes him a tough matchup, especially as we plan for a deep playoff run. I'm excited for Daniel's future. So, okay, right? Obviously, didn't play out the way they wanted to. Maybe he took a step back. I don't know. But I feel like just the way Philadelphia has kind of changed and they don't have Harden anymore, that Harden situation was just a bunch of drama. Maybe he didn't fit there anymore with what they're trying to do. So could he fit here with the Pacers and bring some veteran leadership, potentially? You know, I think there's some intrigue here with him, but at the end of the day, uh, nothing's jumping off the page. You know, you got a little bit more of a sexier name list than I do, but I uh, I think Daniel House could make some sense at the pace they're trying to say, okay, McDermott's not the guy. Let's try to get a little bit more defense out there with that second unit and maybe go for a guy that's got some experience. Daniel House, I read, could have some suitors. So I do think that Daniel House is viewed as one of the better buyout options that are available. And, you know, when you talked about his age, I think he's right in that range where, okay, you know what, he's not Killian Hayes young where you're not expecting anything, and he's not Danny Green old where you're saying, can we even put this guy back on the court? I think he's somewhere in the middle of, okay, he could be able to crack a rotation and be able to play, you know, some, some some good ball right now. Mm-hmm. The three-point shooting has definitely been streaky throughout his career. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. There's numerous seasons where he shot 41%, and then there's other times that he shot, you know, basically about 30%. So it's a little bit all over the place, but I do think that he is a player that could contribute to a team right now. Um, we'll see what happens in, in terms of, uh, you know, who could be a suitor for Daniel House, but somebody will pick him up. It's, it's not a bad option. I... I kind of lean the I prefer Daniel House over Javante Green and Austin Rivers because at least he's been playing basketball this year in the NBA, and I do think that is worth something. Like for Danny Green, I mean, it's I like some of the attributes that that he brings, but it's more of like I liked his career better than what I think he could contribute now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now I I will say this: I did have an honorable mention, and. This one's tough, and I think it might be just recency bias because he's not gotten off the bench for this team for a long time, and he's kind of been the butt of all jokes, but he had some great years in Orlando and even started for the next two years ago, 80 games, I believe it was, and that's Evan Fournier. I feel like he's had a larger sample size of like what he is, and I know that he's not the greatest you know, player in the world, but I feel like with a chip on his shoulder, wanting some playing time, bringing him in off the bench on like a vet minimum – if Detroit were to buy him out, yeah, that that's could make right some sense mm-hmm. to me. So that's the if. If Evan Fournier was available, he's number one on my list. Okay. Because what people forget is that Evan Fournier broke the Knicks single season three point uh three pointers made just a few years ago. 
And then they just didn't play him again because he just he clashed with what Tibbs is looking to do. He's not a good defender. He is a good three point shooter. He he's a he's a player that a few quite a few years ago was actually really good in the Olympics for France. And I think that, that instantly, if he was available, I would have interest. Evan mm-hmm. Fournier has quite a few seasons in the NBA averaging fifteen or more points per game. Like yeah. truly was it I think the worst thing that I don't want to say the worst thing he did was sign with the Knicks, but he took the money and he disappeared. They they simply did not play him. And I think that his contract, the reason why I think he's still on the Pistons is because that contract is not guaranteed for next year and is probably going to be looked at as a trade chip. If they yeah. buy him out, I am instantly interested in him Fournier. Yeah, I mean, he's had eight seasons where he's had double-digit scoring in his career. So, yeah, I mean, I know it's just a kind of projection because he's been so hit or miss, and obviously that contract was used to get Bojan and Alec Burks into New York. So it did make a lot of sense, but I was just a little bit bummed for him because, oh, yeah. you know, like you mentioned, that three-point shooting was huge when he shot 46.3% from three. Or, yeah. or no, excuse me, what was it for the Knicks that you said? So he broke, he broke their uh, their single. It was it was uh, so he shot forty six percent from three for Boston for Boston the deadline. But for the Knicks, he shot thirty nine percent that year that he broke the single season three point record for them. He's yeah. got first career. He's a thirty eight percent three point shooter, and you're talking about seasons where he was averaging about you know seventeen, eighteen, nineteen points per game. So the volume yeah. has been there. He's got many seasons that that year with the Knicks. He was he was shooting seven point seven threes per game so it's not like this is uh doug mcdermott volume where it's like three to four threes on 44 percent. it's he's, he's getting them up there mm-hmm. i think delon Wright's another name to keep an eye on too fachi i just kind of think if he were to become available um i, I think he's still with washington if i'm not mistaken so right. i i do like delon Wright. i think that that's someone that could make some sense um six foot five can play the point guard or the shooting guard. I think he's more of a defensive-minded guy. But uh, I'm trying to look at his numbers here. Three-point shooting-wise, he's shooting 37.8% from three this year. So that's not bad. That's around where Buddy Hill was at. But he's not nearly getting as much playing time, obviously. Just 14 minutes a game, 31 games in total, zero as a starter. I think the Wizards have actually, before the trades probably, well, they didn't really make any trades, I don't think, for their starting lineup except maybe Gafford. So, uh, mm-hmm. But they had like the same starting five. Like It was one of the most frequently used starting fives with like uh, I'm trying to remember who their point guard was. Who was their point guard again? That was Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, that's right. I was thinking Monty Morris, and I was like, that's not right. But like him and Poole and uh, Kuzma, and I believe it was Koulibaly and Gafford is their starting five. Maybe it's maybe it's a shooter. I'm thinking of Corey Kispert. I can't remember, but Corey, Corey Kispert, uh, Denny Avia is is one of their starters. Okay. Um, so he, he's somewhere in the mix. But but, but regardless. Yeah, obviously, you know, I, I think the funniest thing I ever heard about DeLon Wright was uh, Joe House made a joke about it on the Bill Simmons podcast. <laughs> he said that he's a really good defensive player, gets his hands on more balls than the Kardashians. <laughs> oh, man. So wow. Funny. That's a good one. That is a good one. Uh, yeah, but uh, anyway. Speaking of that, though, I mean, not speaking of the Kardashians, but he is averaging over a steal per game. Yeah. And then you can go in many directions where you're saying, speaking of getting your hands on a lot of balls, but look, for DeLon Wright, you know, 1.1 steals per game. Last year, nearly two steals per game. This man, he's handsy, all right? And I think the Pacers, uh, they need a little bit of that right now. And uh, and this is what happens when your list isn't too sexy, all right? You start going in a completely different direction. 
But that's where we're at right now with this Pacers team is uh, oh, not man. a lot of help coming in. So you're kind of just looking around saying who, if anyone, can help this team. Absolutely, Fachi. Well, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to do a quick 5-10 minute preview for this last game of the first part of the season before we go to the All-Star break where the Pacers traveling to Canada to play on the Raptors. We'll talk about the Raptors series, you know, some Raptors to watch out for and that kind of stuff. But we'll be right back after this. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. All right, everybody, we are back to wrap things up, but we're not just wrapping things up. We're talking about the Toronto Raptors, and we're going to be previewing this game as it is Pascal Siakam's First time back in Toronto as a visiting member. So that will probably be an emotional game for him. But Fachi, we're going to do things a little bit different because we don't usually do previews, but we thought, you know what, let's start doing it a little bit more. We can we can definitely do that and dive into it and give you guys a better idea of what these teams are like. Absolutely. I mean, there's a little, uh, little extra spice in this game with a revenge game for Pascal Siakam, so that adds to it. And I know that many could uh, see the Raptors towards the bottom of the standings, but don't overlook them. Because the Raptors actually took it to the Pacers last time, and I think that if the Pacers want things to be different, well, one player they're going to have to really keep their eye on is Scotty Barnes, the first-time All-Star, the true face of the franchise, a man headed towards a max contract for the 19 and 35 Raptors. Uh, he's the guy now. You know, the, the keys have been passed, the torch has been passed, whichever phrase you want to use. But while he struggled in his last game against San Antonio, just seven points on three of fifteen shooting. He's influencing the game in many ways. He's averaging on the month 18 points, 7.5 rebounds, and 7 assists, including nearly a triple-double in the last three games. So he's got his fingerprints all over what the Raptors are doing from a scoring, ball movement, rebounding perspective. Uh, Scotty Barnes is the exact type of player that could give the Pacers fits. He shot at least five free throws in five of the last seven games and blocked a shot in six straight games. Scotty Barnes, really a player who is, um, you know, reaching his full potential in Toronto. Yeah. I, I like Scotty Barnes a lot. And I liked him during the draft process as well. I remember back when he was around like the 13, 14 range and Chris Duarte's draft, and then just kind of kept climbing up the ladder. It was like, crap. Okay. More teams were on to him than we thought. So I think he definitely is the guy for sure to keep an eye on. But one one Raptor that I'm keeping my eyes on is a newly acquired Toronto Raptor, and that's R.J. Barrett, you know, Canada's finest R.J. Barrett. And he has not played against the Pacers this year. And there's been 10 games now since Pascal Siakam was traded. So I looked at those numbers to kind of see what R.J. Barrett's done. Excuse me, there's been 14 games since he was traded, but um, R.J.'s only played in 10 of those. He's been dealing with a little bit of an injury, has come back from that. But 20.8 
points per game, 6.5 rebound per game, 3.7 assists per game. Shooting 54.4% from the field, 29.4% from three, which is not good, but 83.8% uh, from the free throw line. Has a defensive rating of 118.3, which is bad. An offensive rating of 106.6, which is bad. And a negative 11.7 net rating, which is bad. So definitely want to bring him up because, for the record, R.J. Barrett has played the Pacers 12 different times in his, in his career with the Knicks. 21.6 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 2.7 assists. Has shot 47% from the field, but for some reason, Vachi, 27 of 64, 42.1% from the three-point line for him. So, you know, obviously it's a little bit different here, but he's a very good player. Um, he's had 11 games this year with the Raptors, 20-plus points. Had his season high 37 against the Golden State Warriors with Toronto as well. So I definitely think that he is a player to keep an eye on just because the Pacers have struggled a lot with just wings this season. And, you know, if it's not Scotty Barnes, hey, it could be R.J. Barrett. It very well could. And this is kind of that duo that Toronto is looking to, you know, build around. They have quite a few other, you know, young players um, that that could very well be contributors, you know, moving forward. A, a Grady Dick and Emmanuel Quickly, you know, players like that. But I do think that R.J. Barrett and Scotty Barnes, those are going to be the keys to if Indiana walks out with a win or a loss. This is a Raptors team that beat Indiana last time, 132 to 131. You might remember it. I remember covering that game with you. Right afterwards, Buddy Heald had a look at a very deep three-pointer. It was about a 28-foot three-pointer. You know, we wondered, hey, he had a second or two to kind of take a step in. Either way, the Pacers came up uh, short in that game. But this will not be the same Raptors team that we saw last time. Since then, obviously, pa uh, Pascal Siakam was a guy who dominated that game. He had 36 points, 10 boards, and 5 assists. OG Ananobi did his thing as well. Dennis Schroeder, strong in that game. 26 points, 6 boards, 5 assists. I mean, those are a few guys that are going to be without, uh, obviously, due to trades. Malachi Flynn, Otto Porter, and Precious Achua are no longer there. In return, they have brought in a few guys. R.J. Barrett is one that you mentioned. Emmanuel Quickly, someone that I mentioned, also coming over from that deal with the Knicks. Kelly Olynyk, a guy who's always, uh, always mucking it up. Over there, and uh, Bruce Brown, Jordan Awara, those guys might seem familiar from the Pacers. And then uh, Alex Ochai Agbaji, Oche Ochai Agbaji. That that is a that is a, a tough one to pronounce. Um, a player that you know you like coming out of the draft. So this Raptors team, they have almost flipped over in yeah. terms of a completely different roster. So I, I would say last game, good telling sign. But you're going to have to look at things a little bit differently this time. Yeah, I mean, they've only played each other once so far this year. They've got two games coming up here in the month of February. Uh, the Pacers will be on the road for this one. I think Toronto visits Indiana later this month. So keep an eye on that. Like you mentioned, it was a 132-131 Raptors win. I believe Scotty Barnes had the game-winning basket on Miles Turner. He got oh, him with the, the trick play that Demontis Sabonis did. Right? That inbounds pass, and, and Turner looked like he was had cement blocks on his feet. It was yeah. just a little bit too slow, but yeah, that, that was a tough one. Yeah, so just quickly, real quick here, Fachi. I mean, this storyline was obviously the 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 Buddy Hill three-point shot. Was it a good shot? Was it not a good shot? But don't forget, on two possessions at the end of the game, Tyrese Halliburton felt like he got fouled by OG Ananobi. Those were not called, and there is a big discrepancy in the free throws, Fachi. 25 of 34 Toronto from the free throw line, just 13 of 16 for the Pacers. Toronto out-rebounded the Pacers, 46-31. Indiana had more assists, 33 to 26. But bench scoring was a key one here for the Raptors as they outscored the Pacers bench 31 to 20. Now, 
for this game, got to keep an eye on one thing. There are some different players for the Pacers, obviously. Nobody healed, no Bruce Brown in the game, but Jordan Awar got a chance in this game. He will not be playing for the Pacers because he's now on the Raptors. Same as Bruce Brown. Jalen Smith was pretty good off the bench for the Pacers in this one. He's already been ruled out for this game. And then Rick Carlisle came on the radio today and talked about Matherin having an injury that he suffered against the Knicks and did not play well against Charlotte. So Matherin, I would believe, is listed as questionable for this game. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton coming back from the hamstring injury, continuing to, to do that. So he'll probably be listed as questionable too, but I'm sure he'll play. So those are some key things to look at here. But Fachi, I talked about R.J. Barrett's stats against, uh, uh, yeah, R.J. Barrett's stats without Pascal Siakam since that trade. I wanted to look at how the Raptors have done in totality. And they've had 14 games without Pascal Siakam. They're just 4-10 and 10 since making that trade with the Pacers. They are 25th in points per game at 109.9. 23rd in rebounds, 41.6 per game. 11th in assist at 28.4. This is where they can get you, though. Second in steals, 8.5. And 21st in blocks at 4.7 a game. They are 36.1% from the three-point line. That's 21st in the league over that stretch. And then their field goal percentage, which is only 46%, is 28th in the league, Fachi. So this is a Raptors team that is kind of getting closer to being more of a lottery team. And one thing that is of note, the San Antonio Spurs have their pick. They did just lose to the Spurs in the last game. So it might have been a Wimby special. It might have been a tank job by Toronto. Toronto tank job. So they're probably trying to hold on to that pick. And the Pacers have their second round pick as well. So the more losses Toronto racks up, the better it is for the Pacers. No, it's very true. And that that is um, involved from the, the Jacoperto deal last year, which really didn't make that much sense. At the time, given where Toronto was at, uh, that could be a move that they end up regretting. I believe it's, uh, it's either top six or top seven uh, protected. So the Raptors are right in that range where losing games is in their best favor. And Indiana is a team that could very much use a win going into the All-Star break. Uh, one thing that Rick Carlisle mentioned earlier today um, is that Benedict Matherin likely won't be out there. They said Matherin, it, it, it's... Hasn't been ruled officially out, but they mentioned Rick said that he's really concerned about Matherin's health mm. moving forward and that acknowledged that he is not fully healthy. We don't know the status of Jalen Smith yet, so this could be a Pacers team that is banged up going into this final game before the All-Star break. Yeah, I know, and that's and that's the thing. It's just Matherin, you got to make sure he's healthy. That's the most important thing. He will be involved in All-Star weekend, so it'll be interesting to see if he does participate in that. Obviously, you'd like him to because he is an Indiana boy, so makes a lot of sense. If not, maybe they'll have a substitute, and maybe Jairus Walker or Andrew Nimhard can get into the game somehow to kind of fill in for him. But he is supposed to be involved in two different things, I believe, the showcase, the rookie showcase, or the whatever it's called, mm -hmm. the Rising Stars game. I always forget yeah. what it's called. They have like 15 different games I now. Know. Changes all the time. And then they also have the skills competition with him, Miles Turner, and Tyrese Halbert. So, you know. It's a good opportunity for him, and Coach Carlisle said he hates to miss games, and maybe he should be sitting out if he's not playing well, but that does make the Pacers bench much, 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 much thinner. So it's going to be tough for the Pacers, but I think, you know, that's a, that's a good way to preview this game. It's just, can Pascal Siakam and the starters, will the Pacers to a big victory here with a lot of injuries to the bench? Yeah, that, that is the big question. I think that Siakam, you know, we wanted him to come out a little bit more aggressive against Charlotte. I don't think he's going to have a problem uh, with that against Toronto because 
these games always tend to mean a little bit more, especially the first time you play your old team. So if the Pacers are a little bit thin, is this an opportunity for Jarris Walker to get a little bit more playing time if Jalen Smith is out and Matherin's out? You know, Ben Shepard is definitely someone that I could imagine, you know, having his number called uh, a little bit more. So we'll have to wait and see, but I think that it's kind of in line with this team right now. They know that they need to make the corrections, and I think – what better opportunity to do that against a Toronto team that is struggling right now? Also, we didn't really talk about it that much, but hey, Bruce Brown's first opportunity to play the Pacers. I know he wasn't yep. a long-time Pacer, but I, I do think there could be a little bit of an extra incentive for him and Jordan Nwora. Jordan Nwora is someone that, when given an opportunity, he's had some actually decent games for Toronto. I know he scored 25 points one of his first uh, few games with the Raptors. So don't rule out, don't count Jordan War out from a little revenge game too. Don't count anybody out for a revenge game. It'll be a tough one here. I'm not going to predict a game or a winner for this game, Fachi. I think it's just going to be a very tough one. We know the Pacers have done a good job bouncing back after getting beat against a team they should not have lost to. But at the same time, you cannot count out Toronto because they have a lot of players at the skill position the Pacers struggle with, and that's a lot of wings. I've got Kelly Olenek as well, who is also a capable center. And we will see what he does with that second unit. But with that being said, Fachi, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPod, STP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPod, STP. You can find us on Facebook, Set the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Set the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, go to youtube.com slash setting the pace of Pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content we want to see over there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel and please comment in the comment section if you'd like to carry on that conversation from what we talk about on the show. If you haven't already, please leave us a five-star rating interview wherever you get your podcast. And I'm not just saying that to say that. We want to see more ratings and interviews. Help us out. It's really appreciated. Take your kids' phones. Give us a five-star rating interview. It really helps. With that being said, If you're hoping that Pascal Siakam has a special return and gets a victory before the All-Star break, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.